What's up? Um, I'm here at PAC because I'm going to Mexico. Why are you going to Mexico? It's a long story, so. Tell me. Hello and welcome to Pod 49, a Lodge 49 conversation and fan podcast about our favorite now-canceled television show, but we are still at it. I am here with my fellow podcasting links, Jim and Bart. How are you doing today? Good. Good. Very ready for the trip. That's and right. We're going to Long Beach. That's right. We're going to Long Beach. We'll get... We'll get... Uh, we'll get that. We'll get more details on that in just a few minutes. But uh, you know, we haven't podcasted in a while uh, for a couple of reasons. Uh, one, we're kind of waiting on news. The last podcast that we did was kind of our, you know, requiem uh, for the show right after the what we'll call the first cancellation notice came through. But then, of course, there was the whole save hashtag save Lodge Forty Nine movement with a lot of people doing a lot of actually really super interesting things on Facebook, on Reddit, on Twitter, direct campaigns, all kinds of stuff. We helped participate, drive that, did our own things on that. And alas, uh, none of that worked. And just before uh, the holiday, uh, our uh, luminous night, Supreme Leader, Sovereign Protector, Jim Gavin had a Twitter announcement that they had, in fact, called off the dogs and they were... Lodge 49 was not going to find a new home and uh, be salvaged by another network or streaming service. So, boo to that. Though, I I don't know. It, it, it might be weird to say, but I think I'm kind of coming around to the idea that it's just a two-season two cult classic. And I might be okay with that. I mean, of course I wanted to see more, um, but if I look in the long scope of my life or whatever, and I think back fondly on things I like, a lot of them get the shaft, and this is another one, and they don't always work out the way they that you want them to. They're sort of like imperfect uh, pieces of, you know, things that in your life will be imperfect pieces that make up a whole. That's something that's still pretty worthwhile. So it does fit into that category. I guess I'm used to losing. I don't know. But um, <laughs> but I'm, I, I think I've made my peace with it, I guess is what I'm saying. What did? How many seasons did Freaks and Geeks get? Was that only one? Just one. Or was that? Oh, wow. Yeah. And that's still like something that I cherish and right. hold on to as like, you know, an important cultural artifact. Yeah, I mean, yeah except for they, I think they knew. They knew. They, yeah, it seemed like they were done with high school or something. And it, 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 even though it was only one season, it seemed to be like one complete sort of season. We did end with the very um, interesting, you know, cliffhanger with the whole dud thing. And so I was, you know, chomping at the bit to go for more. Um, but, I mean, I've had some time to reflect, and it just sort of seems like another one of those things, you know. Well, that's a very evolved uh, uh, take there, Bart. But, but, uh, but nihilist and evolved at the same time. Evolved nihilism. Well, I mean, I don't, I don't know. There's always a soft spot, you know. I mean, to, to me, there's also the possibility that it gets, let's say it got picked up by, and it got something, I don't know, something weird in the formula got busted, and it didn't, I don't know. I, I don't. I hate to even say it, but like, 
sometimes something it's like now we know that it can just still be perfect no matter what you know like it sucks that it got canceled but um but those two seasons were so amazing that it just it it stands on its own i guess that's what i'm trying to say that's true that's a good way to look at it It can't be tarnished so to speak in some way where they'd have to whatever even less budget or you know had to sign away something to the overlords or whoever picked it up right and then all of a sudden there's like yeah, they make changes to it, or and and things that you wouldn't, you'd be so excited. Oh, we're getting launched, you know, season three, this, that, and the other, and then we'd watch it, and we, maybe there'd be some differences, and we'd wonder, we'd notice them, but we wouldn't quite pick up on them quite yet, and then the story would unfold later that, oh well, <clears throat> the new producers said this, that, and the other, and that's why this didn't happen, and then you know, I don't know, it was kind of like perfect in a jar. And it should have just kept going in that jar. But once the jar was disrupted, I mean, I don't know. Anything could have kind of happened. And so I'm just, I don't know. I'm just making my peace with it. Yeah, I mean, maybe we'll see, you know, fans doing, uh, you know, fan fiction about, you know, the continuing adventures of, like, Bert and Herman or whatever, you know, the different characters within the world. Uh, well, somebody brought up the graphic novel idea, and that to me would be amazing because then Jim Gavin could still write it, and then it could it wouldn't it wouldn't ha- it wouldn't face the same pressures, um, you know, and anything could happen, and it could fulfill the story, you know, the way it wanted to. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, like the famous example that I think of is Star Trek. You know, that like it it aired, they canceled it. They had an amazing response from tons of Trekkies, and then they and then they brought it back. And I think the first season of Star Trek is really kind of goofy. So I understood why the people liked it, but it actually got better from that point on. Whereas this was very brilliant from the get-go, stayed that way, and then it lost its sort of momentum, and then who knows what would sort of happen. And I, I think that's, to, in my mind anyway, that's the, that's the difference. Because Star Trek started off slow and I think was good, but was still really sort of bad in some ways. And then once they got rebirthed, it, it got good again. And that's not the case with Lodge 49. It was already really great. It didn't, you know, I don't know. It didn't need the baby steps that Star Trek did. You know, both seasons are going to be streaming on... Hulu, hopefully indefinitely, so you can still encourage friends to watch it and say, like, hey, it's a two-season show, but it's well worth it, and, you know, check it out sometime. Season two actually debuts on Hulu on uh, January 13th, so uh, pretty soon you can watch both seasons. You can already watch season one. Yeah, I I would have... I a couple things. I just wish they'd were. I wish someone had given them. I wish actually AMC had done what I had hoped they would do, which was give them the one more and done. So you at least let them go out like you know original network, original production team go out on their own. You know, tell the this story in one final season. And I think to some degree, well, I'd say first of all, yes, anyone, everyone who's listening to this, or, or I tell them, it's still worth watching. Because um, I think they they did wrap a lot. I mean, there there was some kind of conclusions elements of that last episode of season two. Obviously, the giant 
uh, dud cliffhanger, and then like. And, you know, what I think most people feel the most robbed about is that we don't get to follow what happens after Liz is in the lodge, right? Like, that whole part. Like, mm-hmm. you know, so lots of storylines felt wrapped up, and then the last four minutes happened. <laughs> right. You know, and, and that, like, and that that just made you desperate to want to know more. I'm a big fan of the Jim Gavin finishes as a novel. I, I think that would be amazing. Yeah. As graphic novel yeah. or novel or I guess either. Right? I mean, he's a a novel. You know, yeah. I mean, if it was a graphic novel, I wouldn't complain. But I mean, you know, I think I think just a novel. I mean, I think a novel is totally fine for me as well. But also, since it's already has the characters and their faces, and I mean, you know, um, the teleplay of the you know when they write the episode, then they make a teleplay of it, and so it's basically a comic book right there. So it does make sense that it could even be a you know graphic novel of some sort but um but yeah i also just think that it's gonna you know hopefully this isn't the end for his uh television writing career i mean uh, you know i'm sure he, you know they'll be i mean I'm, I, I can't think of any off the top of my head but i'm sure there's plenty of shows that or it's just like anything where you um you see something you see like a movie or a show and you're like wow that was really great and they're like oh yeah they also did this and then you go back and you see, like, I don't know, a show that only had one season or something like that. And I think that kind of stuff happens a lot. So, I, you know, I'm an eternally optimistic kind of person, I think. And uh, so I still think that he's got a lot left in the tank to go. And, um, yeah, I, I, I'm, yeah I'm, I'm excited to see what, what's next. Uh, yeah, for sure. And, in fact, you know, I mean, I think we talked about this a lot that probably, and I think in the end probably what doomed this I bet you there was int- networks or streaming services that were interested, but it got to the point where I know Wyatt Russell is already in a pilot, I think on AMC. He's already on some new AMC show. Sonya Cassidy was doing a pilot. So I, I think it just, you know, at that point, they probably couldn't get guarantees of all of the actors by the time. Maybe they got close to a deal. Whatever. Ship has sailed. And I agree. Yeah. Two of my biggest disappointments of 2019 in, in sort of the world of television, television was the Deadwood movie years later and the actually the Breaking Bad movie. So I actually thought I thought both of those were, uh, and I know probably both those things have their fans, but I felt them fairly unsatisfying. I, I'm not going to say they were bad, but I didn't. I found them to be kind of in the end didn't hold up to the promise and felt a little bit, I don't know, hollow in the end. Yeah, I didn't see Deadwood, but uh, I, I will go ahead and say I did not like the Breaking Bad movie at all. But then again, I also thought maybe maybe if I went back and watched Breaking Bad, it, would, it wouldn't it would age as well. And maybe it is similar, but I when I was watching it, there was many times when I was just like, whoa, this is, this is not good. I, did, I, I was not a fan. I did not watch either of those. I think I don't think it would reflect that badly on on Breaking Bad. I think better call, the high quality of Better Call Saul probably speaks to you know that as much as anything else. I just it's like why do we need why do we, it, first of all they just followed one character which was not Breaking Bad was a multi layered story so that right there was a pretty key difference and I just thought like it just was like why do we need this like like Jesse Pinkman driving off in the car was like a perfectly fine way to end that. Yeah, I agree with that totally. Yeah, that story had been resolved pretty well already. So I was going to pretend like that sort of doesn't exist, and 
enjoy Better Call Saul, which I think at times eclipses Breaking Bad, but that's for another Oh, yeah. I think it definitely does. So anyway, so that's all that. All well and good. We'll see. We'll continue to monitor, continue to celebrate, uh, and see what comes of either Jim Jim Gavin's career, the actor's career, and, you know, who knows if the story takes plot twists to come. But speaking of celebrating, uh, Celebrate Lodge 49... Uh, we got some exciting news that many of you may know just from our uh, Twitter engagements, but uh, we're recording this just about four or five days out before we head to Long Beach for the Long Beach Comic Expo, where uh, the producers and organizers of the Comic Expo, who are big fans of the show, have asked us to come out and run some Celebrate Lodge 49 programming, including a panel, including a booth. Uh, at their Comic Expo, 11th and 12th, which, uh, let me just say, is kind of insane. Yeah. <laughs> I'm very excited. I, 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 I still don't know exactly what I'm getting myself into, but I'm just, I'm happy for this train to keep a rolling, you know. Um, sure. Very, yeah. It's a big yes, honor. It is a big honor. Uh, and so just to give you a little bit of background, I, I, from what, what I was told from the producers of the expo that they had originally, and I remember there had been some chatter about this probably even during the season, like pre-cancellation before it, the season had even finished, about uh, the, the producer, Chris Longo, is a big fan of the show and a big fan of the podcast. And, you know, it runs this Long Beach-based Comic-Con, basically, and wanted to do something around the show. Uh, it's not a direct crossover into kind of like geek comic book culture, but I think a pretty, you know, I think a lot of similarities with the magical realism and the kind of passion of the fan base, et cetera, et cetera. And so he started to, at that time, talk to Jim Gavin around doing something. I think as Jim started to circle around the final conclusion that no one was going to pick up the show after cancellation, he was just sort of out on the idea of doing it, which you can totally understand, right? It's like he doesn't want to preside over his own funeral, so to speak. So the plan B, happy to be a plan B, was to reach out to us to see if we wanted to host a panel amongst some other activities. Uh, So he contacted us via Twitter. Uh, We followed up, and here we are, getting ready to uh, board planes from New York City to to the mecca of Long Beach, California. Um, I actually... Strangely enough, even though I've been sort of immersed in these kind of worlds, I've actually never been to a Comic-Con. Have either of you? No, definitely not. I, I never have. I've thought about going to the New York one, and then I'm always like, oh, I missed my chance to get tickets or whatever. Yeah, no, I, I've always definitely kind of wanted to go, and I just sort of haven't. So what better way to, uh, to get underwritten to go? But just to give you a brief rundown, we'll be running on Saturday, January 11th from... 1230 to 2, we're running a Celebrate Lodge 49 panel. Uh, we will be, uh, we'll have a kind of a great set of panelists and guests. We have uh, Alethea Jones, the director uh, director of Circles and Estrella Imar. We've got Alex Klein, who uh, played a bunch of characters. Uh, I can't wait to talk about this actually with him, but, you know, Fruit Basket Guy, Gift Basket Guy might be the best reference We've got, uh, we've got, all right, you're going to, someone help me. Sam? Uh, Puifua. I'm not sure, but I think it's Puifua, yeah. 
I think it's Pui Fua, but I could be saying it wrong. Pui Fua. Okay, so who plays Herman on the show? We have, uh, we've got Andrew Carroll, who does the score. We've got um, Vic Sahai, who plays, uh, oh my God, I can't believe I can't Tarquin. remember Tarquin. Tarquin. Right, Tarquin. And then we've got the actress, Britt, who plays Beth. But I'm going to butcher. Anyone want to take a stab at her is last name? Rentschler? Is it Rentschler? I think you're right, Jim. We, we promise. Britt Rentschler. Okay. We will promise to get all of these uh, correct by the time of the panel. Or we'll we just like promising. have the running joke. <laughs> uh, we'll hit it on the joke. And we should just go by. We'll just refer. We can. We should just initials. First name. We'll be like Sam. Britt Sam R. P. And Britt R. Yeah. <laughs> Sam first Carly name basis. After this weekend, then we'll all be on first name basis anyway. So we'll just say Sam, Vic, David, Britt, Andrew. That's right. Yeah. And then everybody and, should oh, know who we're talking about. And probably, fingers crossed, uh, David Uri will also be joining us, of course, uh, Champ, who's been on the podcast before. So kind of a murderer's row of panelists. Uh, we'll be talking to them. We'll record all of that for future podcasts. We'll also be running an expo booth. We'll be featuring and selling the the art of um, of a super fan and fan artist. Uh, now I'm gonna Jeff Ritzman. Jeff Ritzman. Jeff Ritzman. Thank you. Uh, I gotta say, he did a special run of posters just for the expo, so that's gonna be super exciting. Uh, we've got other special things planned. We got a fan meetup at Saturday night after the first night of the expo. The night. The day of the panel, uh, follow our Twitter feed at Pod Forty Nine for more details. It's going to be right right around the Expo Center. That's going to be super exciting. I think we already probably have anywhere from fifteen to twenty to twenty five fans. We're going to invite the the our panelists uh, and cast and crew to join as well. So should be should be super fun, super interesting. What are you guys most excited about? Ooh, good question. Um... I don't know. I, I'm, I, well, since we mentioned uh, having the panel and going out and asking questions in the audience, I'm very excited about that. I want to grab the mic and go out to the audience and kind of like interview people or let them ask questions and kind of uh, facilitate that. That's, that's kind of what I'm looking forward to. That and I think also just the whole idea of the thing because it's such a, like a mystery in my mind of what it's going to be like that once I get there, it'll all be sort of explained. Um, I'm a very visual learner. So, um, I don't know. And I think it's just going to be a blast to, like, you know, hang out and meet all these people and maybe, you know, go out for drinks with them. I don't know. It's, uh, to me, it's, it's, it's such the, the, the impossible dream episode happening in our lives. It's such a meta thing um, that it's hard. I mean, I, like, when I first heard about it, I just couldn't believe how much it resembled the show that you just kind of have to go on this quest, you know. It's like... You know, I, we're all very busy people, obviously, and um, certainly, um, you know, I'm very excited about it, but it was like one of those things where when it came up, I just spoke to my wife about it, and then she was like, do it, and I was like, all right, let's just, you know, just drop, drop everything and do it, and so to me, the adventure of it all is really the most, you know, exciting thing. I, I, I'm just excited for the whole thing. I, I can't wait. Yeah, I'm looking forward to meeting some Pod 49 fans and be able to talk to them about Lodge 49, things we loved about the show. Um, 
you know, yeah, we just started this as a lark. We're just three friends who are like, we really like this TV show. And Chris noticed no one else was doing a podcast. So we just did it. And uh, it's weird to like have fans of something you're doing. <laughs> and now, <laughs> um, so that'll, that'll be interesting. Fl- flown across the country to, to talk about it on someone yeah. else's dime. <laughs> Think of how much it's changed our lives. <laughs> it is. Um, it is bizarre. It's it's funny. Yeah. It, yeah. It'll be a good time. And just um, hearing, you know, doing the phone interviews with actors was a lot of fun and getting to talk to them about their experience of, of being on the show. And I think it'll be, you know, equally great or even better to be able to have some of those, you know, similar conversations with uh, actors we haven't talked to yet, um, and um, Alethea and Andrew being behind the scenes about you know what the show meant to them and, and what it was like to contribute to it. And you know, yeah, I'm super excited. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, I it's for me also like if it's the kind of thing like if um, you know you live in New York and you'll see like actors and this and the other and like some you know space or sometimes they even come into the restaurant and I'm always I feel incredibly awkward and I actually just never do I just I feel awkward about the idea of it I guess of like you know even if you like their work it's it's just kind of a hard um, barrier to cross I think to be like so like if I saw David Yuri in a bar or something like that without this podcast I would just be like oh my god that's the guy from Lodge 49 and I, I mean in that case I probably would but I like the idea that it's just like there in the open and I don't have to have this awkward because I usually like I, I don't know I think that uh, relationships have to develop organically and I never like talk to famous people because I know that that's probably the last thing that they want um, and so I don't know it's going to be very cool to kind of have that sort of thing out of the way that's the whole reason we're all there so it, it is organic and um, I don't know that's that's pretty exciting I think I'm most excited about well, I'm excited about the whole thing. I'm actually excited. I'm actually excited just to experience like Comic Con. I'm excited about running our booth, and and I'm excited about maybe doing some side interviews with fans and seeing like sort of what like almost spontaneous things in terms of content we can get for the podcast. I mean, I think realistically, you know, we might get two or three episodes worth of content from this, so that's kind of exciting. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm super excited to talk to Alethea Jones. I mean, she she made maybe my favorite hour of television this this year with the circles episode yeah Uh, so i think she's been super great with the fans she's got a you go check out her imdb she's got like a feature she's she has worked constantly she's done a bunch of tv she did she cut her teeth in children's television which i think is super kind of interesting and she's got i think oh i can't remember the actress but there's a couple big actresses she's got her first features coming out i think later on this year so i think that'll be super neat to talk talk to her just kind of like you know what it's like to put that show together that particular episode which was not quite a bottle episode because it moved the plot along but it had a lot of elements of a bottle episode you know kind of went deep into one or two characters it sold it, it sort of took a pause out from the main narrative largely uh so and it was it was used some non traditional storytelling techniques, uh, both generally and typically for Lodge Forty Nine. So it'd be great to kind of get her thinking uh, about that. And also be fun to talk to Andrew Carroll since we've already talked to Thomas Patterson and they were kind of the the super duo uh, that driving the music, which is an incredible uh, part of the show. So I just think that the whole thing's going to be crazy adventure. I'm not looking forward to the red eye home on Sunday night, but other than that, it should be all good. Yeah. yeah. 
Uh, I'm also interested to see if anyone does any Lodge 49 cosplay. Um, <laughs> we will, uh, you know, if anyone like drives up in a, um, you know, a Confidente van. Oh, Confidente. oh my God. Or well, Jim, you know, you've got a couple cosplay things up your sleeve, right? Well, we'll, uh, we'll leave that off the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, we can at least, we can at least, uh, wet the appetite. Uh, yeah, and I just, I, that's a great point. I'm just excited, you know, I'm excited to see people in their, you know, dumb MCU costumes and obscure comic book characters. I just think that the whole, like, you know, the whole, like, let your freak nerd flag fly and a safe spaceness of it all is going to be just fascinating on so many levels. So it's going to be a great weekend. We will put all the news that you need in the show notes uh, about what we're doing, where we're going to be. Yada yada. Um, I know that Long Beach Comic Expo has started to post uh, some some announcements about some of the actors. I think they have Alex Klein's uh, mug shot and uh, so the Celebrate Lodge Forty Nine panel up already. So and, and they'll probably be on their Twitter feed. So it should be fun. You know, I can't decide if there's going to be three people, thirty or three hundred. You know, I think realistically it's probably going to be in that thirty range, but. Who the heck knows? Any any uh, doors are opening predictions about how many people will show up? Uh, for the the Pod Forty Nine uh, aspect for, for of the it? panel. Oh, the panel. Oh, for no, the panel. For the, for the panel. Yeah. See, I don't know. I'm the wrong person to ask because I really, I don't, I really don't know. I really don't know. I, I there has to be at least. I would say thirty. I, I'm going to say at least thirty. Sounds solid. All right, so we're all we're, we're all uh, being realistic, we could, and we'd be happy with thirty. We could think of uh, some strategies of tricking people in there, um, nah. based on what they appear to be fans of, and then you know. I mean, I do have the numbers. I do think that there should be a lot of crossover. There, there, there could be a lot of people at the convention that haven't seen the show, but I. I'd be willing to bet that if everybody who's at the convention had seen the show, they probably would like the show because it does seem to attract that. Maybe well, not everybody, but a lot of a lot. Well, of yeah. I mean, I don't know. I I do have friends who have tried to watch Lot Forty Nine. It just wasn't for them, which you know I understand. It's it's idiosyncratic humor in a way. Right, but uh, would those friends name, be please, at a comic con? Please name them. <laughs> <laughs> No, no. They would also not go to Comic-Con. Right. I mean, that's my point. I mean, like, I think that the type of person that would go get into, like, Comic-Con and go and, and do the whole thing. And, and like I said, what do I know? I don't, I don't really know these things very well. But it seems to me that those um, types of people would embrace a show like that because it's also, you know, um, because, I, I mean, I think if you're going to get in cosplay and go to this, these things, then you probably enjoy things that aren't always, you know, I don't know. I guess if it's Marvel Comic Universe, that's pretty mainstream. I don't know. But going to a Comic-Con yeah. dressed in cosplay isn't so mainstream. And so I think if you're sort of on the outskirts of the mainstream, you appreciate things that are like that, which is what the show is, very much so, I think. And I, you know, and I think the, I mean, I can only think of one friend that I tried to get to watch the show that didn't like it, Um not that I got too many, um, but um, but yeah, they wouldn't be anywhere near a Comic Con. They're not, you know, and it makes sense that they wouldn't like it too. You know, like I think knowing them, 
Um, I think you got to really sort of pick the right people. But, um, you know, like uh, a very good friend of mine who uh, whose opinions on these kinds of things I really appreciate and like um, was just has just started getting into it. He's about like, you know, three quarters of the way through season one and was just like, how come I no one ever talked about this show? How come I didn't hear anything about it? It's great, you know, and I was like, okay, so that makes me feel better about humanity that like, I, you know, I only need a couple of people whose opinions I really like to see it and then be like, yeah, it is great. And then I'm like, yeah, that's, that's all I really need. All right. Should we do uh, fan questions? Yes. So we put out uh, some fan, we asked for some fan questions. Uh, so first, uh, and these are sort of, you know, off the cuff. We didn't really prepare. So, you know, top of the head type of responses. First one was uh, from, Anne in Texas, mm. if we could write season three, what what would we what would we have in store? We obviously can't scope out full you know full storyboards of a season three, but what would be some elements that you'd personally not necessarily you'd want to see, but that you would actually put into a season three creatively? Actually, you responded to that by saying you know we'd see the return of Captain for starters, and in that way, I think also um, I don't know I'd like to see some of those characters or whatever from season one kind of come back in and I, I liked that idea of it that there was this like sort of um it, that it could it could at any time bring back in old characters and kind of go into a new direction with it and um you know pick up some things that seemingly we already passed by and I don't know that's 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 one way I mean I don't know that's a very daunting question um I'm I'm coming at it from the perspective of just like sitting with a bowl of popcorn and waiting to see, you know, like I don't, I, I don't like feel the burden of, of that, I, of like figuring out what it would be. I, I've, I've always thought of myself as just, just purely enjoying it. Um, but to me, I guess, I don't know, that would be something that would be interesting to bring back some of the old characters and then you could like string on some, some storylines back into the plot, bring some characters back in, that kind of thing for me. I don't know. It's pretty vague, but. I don't know. Return of Captain is pretty, uh, that's a big plot point. I'm, Jim? You know, I don't know. This is a tough one. I, especially with the, the mysteries and like the possible Antarctica aspect and all that, I, I wouldn't know exactly where to take that. I was, you know, waiting and looking forward to where they were going to take us with all that. Um, one thing I really liked in the last season was when, um, everyone at the strip mall teamed up like against uh, pool party and just seeing them all sort of like working in concert. Um, I would love some other opportunity for like, yeah, Bert and Herman and Alice and her dad. And, and now actually blaze is going to be, you know, setting up shop there and that old Dudley and son space. And to just like see how they would interact and have some, some chance for them all to like work together for some kind of, goal or on an, on an adventure um if you remember toward the end of uh season two or i guess it was in the final episode when um big ben and uh anita is it at the at the lodge were kind of like why didn't you include us like you didn't bring us to mexico like they kind of felt left out and i would, I would want them to have a bigger role in something in the upcoming season like getting a better chance to um you know play a pivotal role and in, in something important that's happening with the lodge um 
stuff like that. I mean, it's for the big storylines, like, you know, Liz finding that she belongs there and feeling like it's, you know, some kind of home. I mean, there's, there's so much that could happen there. And I don't, I was just excited since I always wanted her to go in there. And I, I thought that there was potential, but I don't know what, um, trajectory I would see her on if she's going to become, you know, a sovereign protector or, or just be kind of an apprentice for a while to Connie. I don't know. What about you, Chris? I like, I like that, the, the, the blaze in the mini mall, that would have been definitely, I think that, that would have been fun to see how that rolled out. Yeah. I think, um, for me, we've talked about this before. I like the idea of the Shamrocks crew reuniting at the at the plumbing supply company. I thought that would have been, you know, like you know, which ones of them get hired there with to take over the orders desk. I thought that would have that that would be if I was penning this uh, or writing some fan fiction. I think that would be a fun a fun jag of a storyline. I would also write in more episodes like circles that kind of delves that kind of did like not just reference things from the past history of the lodge but actually like you know had kind of side narratives or bottle episodes or somewhere where we actually saw that happen I think that would have been you know especially as the mysteries and the backstory revealed itself like imagine like a um, you know like the scrolls and how those got out you know like how they made their way to Mexico or early or early history of Lodge One or something. I would like to have seen or like Harwood Fitzmerrill. I imagine like an episode like imagine like an episode of like set in the eighteen hundreds or something like that, you know, would be like a lot of fun. You know, so much of it was like the modern mm. fable, the modern myths. Imagine if like we went back in time. That would be that would have been fun. If I was writing a season three, I might put some of that in there. Um you know, as the world and the mythology expanded, I like how they started to like actually not just reference it, but see how it you know show you how it played out. One thing I, I was thinking about about like where would season three go? Um, that it's hard for me to imagine. But wh- where do you think the sorrows would come from? Because I think a lot of our you know ideas are fairly optimistic ones, you know, like a really enjoyed captain. So I want to see the return of him, you know, we would see those guys get together and I mean, sort of succeed if they get together from the old Shamrock's crew at a plumbing company. Um, But I think that the, there's always like a, a touch of sorrow to the show. That's, that's pretty crucial. And that to me is the harder thing to imagine maybe because I don't want to imagine it. Sure. Yeah. That's a good point. Well, what about, Liz, Liz's rejection of the lodge. Ooh, well, I, usually it's an external factor though that happens to right. the character, and then they get together, which is why they how they s- soothe themselves is by being together. Um, so it would have to be like, you know, I I don't know, like like something I don't know, like. Um, Maybe Liz, like we talked about Liz, like maybe moving away from uh, Long Beach and like maybe that would be devastating to Dud or something like that. I don't know. It would be like a good idea for her because it would be like she was getting free or something. Um, But then, you know, not having Dud in her life or Dud not having her in her life or something like that. I don't know. 
Uh, that to me, the show, like, it seems so daunting because the show is so deep that like I can, there's certain levels I can think like, oh, it would be so much fun to see like, oh, also like what happens to El Confidente. Like he kind of, you know, sort of disappears. Like it would be fun to bring him back in. And I keep thinking of all these things that would be like fun to see these characters back in the storylines. But something that I think that is very central to the whole piece, to the whole show is that there's like some sorrow in there, and that's the part that I can't. It's hard for me to uh, imagine. Death of Connie. Ooh, imagine that. See, now yeah. there you go. That'd there tough, you yeah. go. I mean, that would be, yeah, that'd be a lot of sorrow. That would be rough. But yeah, yeah, that's that's yeah. certainly one. All right, so uh, Jace, Jason uh, at Jason Sowers Seven from Kentucky, uh, according to his Twitter bio. It says, what is your what in your opinion is an underrated moment, scene, element, line, etc. of the show? <laughs> yeah, that's one I wish I had prepared for because I could have thought about it. Um, it's hard to come off, you know, the top of my head with that. Um, I mean, I think the reason we're doing the whole podcast is because we think the whole thing is underrated. You know, so like, well, yes. So I mean, yeah. and then you know, so there's you know, and during the season we talked about all these great lines and great scenes. So which one of them would be the most of them? I don't know, because of course now when I'm thinking back on the whole, at least even just season two, the you know, the Dud and Ernie connection, that their trials and tribulations and final connection towards the end was so f- fabulous, you know. One that maybe is even kind of a crossover to the idea of like what I'd want to see more of or what I might even, you know, if I if I was suddenly writing season three. But like we started to see so much of what was underrated, I think, about the show, even by like fans and critical analysis, was how intertwined so many things were. Like we're going to have Alex Klein on our panel. Like he was gift basket guy. I think he's not just playing different roles. No, no right? I think like, he's the same character. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, but but you know, but he, he shows makes, up in a lot of different places. Yeah, so like I think, like how many things are actually connected that that are subtle? Like that's to me like a really like you know because we've talked about this before, but like called it a stoner comedy or kind of like it's about nothing or whatever those things are. You know, which there's some grains of truth to that, but like when you open yourself up to the show, like nothing is unplanned so i would say like that the sort of level of connectivity and then like the kind of hidden map that starts to emerge around the connections of all those things to me was you know super underappreciated or you know i think the deep nerd fans go back and find those things but um they're easy to miss to some degree and they're really hard to get right and to thread all those things in with even sometimes extremely subtle connections uh, yeah, I would also say that the um, just in general, a lot of the smaller characters were so well developed, and I mean, you know, to say it's underrated, we definitely talked about that already. So, but um, but yeah, that would be something I think as well. Just that, like, how like the you know Alex could have been in this scene and then coming back, and then was there going to be some sort of connection between him and Liz, you know, that was a prediction I made and it seemed to me because they had this little look or something when they were in the office 
and then he's in Mexico again. So it seemed like something was sort of going there. And it, it seems like any one of those smaller characters could be developed into a larger, um, you know, character in the story at any time. And I think that was a, a, like due to like the strength of the the writing and the casting and then the directing so that these small scenes got sort of what they deserved so that they were very meaningful and powerful. And then if they wanted to go back into the bag to grab somebody out, they could always do that. And like, so for example, we had theorized also that like maybe there was a relationship between, and I'm sorry, I'm forgetting the names now, but um, the guy at the uh, hiring agency and the guy who was Ross, Ross, who was excellent. Mm -hmm. And then also Mm -hmm. the, the character who was working at the bookstore and we thought maybe there was a connection between those two because he was like Ross was saying that like I don't know that he like that he was dating somebody and it broke up or something or it went sour quick or something. I don't know. And so we were theorizing that maybe there was a connection between those two. And you know, so to me, that would be sort of an underrated point of the show, which is that at any moment, any one of those characters could become a larger character because of how well they were developed from the very get go. There's so there's so there's such a real life to all of them that even though you know it's like you know we see Ross a, a bunch of times and then before we get really too much of what he is like more of what he is I mean and um, yeah I don't know I thought that was a really and it was like all I don't know it's like the, the costumes like every, all the little details it was so tight that it had the ability to bust any single one of them out at any one time. And I think it's also, um, you know, attributable to Jim Gavin, who writes characters that are very human and real so that they could, like, you know, grow from a seed at any time. And I don't know. So, And that's also somewhere the show could go in season three if it wanted to. It, It always had that ability, I think, to grow because of how well thought out and developed... And then actuated, they were. I mean, it was really remarkable. All the scenes were great. I mean, you know, like each individual scene was. It, there was nothing that was just like, uh, like, well, we just need this to get in there to explain A to B. We need something between A and B to explain it. It's like it, none of that was ever was ever the point, you know. So like, it was like all the scenes all had meaning and depth. All killer, no filler. Yeah. All right, yeah. G- Jim. We've we've uh, we've been able to uh, pontificate long enough for to give you an answer. <laughs> uh, all right. I guess I would say just something that we've talked about from the beginning, somewhat um, tying into the sort of you know uh, anti-capitalist theme, and that's that you know a lot of the story focuses on working class people and people who are struggling in one way or another, often financially. And it doesn't do so in a way that's cruel or condescending to them the way entertainment often does, TV or movies. Um, yes, good point. That, to me, was a huge aspect. Uh, and I'd like, you know, I would love there to be more shows out there that, you know show people's struggles as part of the context of like you know everything that's happening with them um, not defining them totally as 
as the only characteristic that's important about them, you know, the way that this show did. Great point, great point. All right, well, that uh, we probably ought to wrap things up here, but, you know, I think as the pod continues, we love taking questions uh, and, and whatnot. But another thing that we get often... Um, is what are we going to do next with the podcast? So I think we really enjoy doing this. I think there's, you know, we are humbled and flabbergasted that there's an audience at all, uh, but but there is. And, you know, a lot of people have been saying, what are you going to do next? We want, you know, please continue in some form. So we're still debating what that would be long term I think short term we're probably going to get at least two episodes of content from our experience at the Long Beach Comic Expo I would guess so you know in the next couple weeks you probably there's podcasts there uh, but we're we're deciding the actual expo next. itself is going to be an episode right yeah for right. sure but I'm saying we might yeah. get two episodes worth of content out of it a- after maybe break it up into a couple episodes right yeah right yeah we will do that yeah, when we get back. We'll do yeah, the, I'll post. Yeah, and then we'll do a recap after or our thoughts after the whole weekend. That, that'll that be an episode, I'm sure. Yeah. The actual thing sure. will be an episode, too. Yeah. At least one. Yeah, the panel episode. will be... The panel. The panel. At least, panel. yeah. we might, And we may even break that up into a two-parter. But, uh, but, you know, yeah. We may do some interviews of fans and stuff, too, and work that into an episode. Yeah, for sure. We may get three or four, you know, but we're just going to record a ton of crap and then sort of see what we get. And I agree, do like a, some debrief and reflections once we're back in our in our home studio, so to speak. So definitely for the f- near future, you know, we're going to have a lot of content that way. But we're still, we'd love to hear from you about, you know, should we pick a new show? Should we just continue to go deep into the lore of Lodge 49? You know, there are a lot of things we could do. We'd love to, to hear from you all what you think would be interesting to do with the podcast now that it's got a little bit of momentum, it's got a, a brand, all that stuff is already established, uh, how we should keep going. One thing I think we might want to announce, because there's just so much energy for this and it's something that we wanted to do for a while, is the next thing that we'll do after we get through all of the, the expo content, like I said, which might be two, three, four episodes, is we definitely want to have a middlemen book club pod. Uh, so, and that's we've all, just, for people who don't know, that's the short story collection written by Jim Gavin. Right. And we've all read it. Um, and I know many of you have read it or you're starting to read it. And this is something that people are definitely hungry for. So what we would do with that is we'd probably do at least one podcast, give it, you know, kind of we'll make a, a formal announcement about when we would record and air that so people could plan their reading accordingly. Maybe if a few of you even want to, maybe we even have a little bit of a fan panel about people who have read it or do some other things. We can figure that out later. But it would definitely be fun to to do like a little bit of a book club on the book. Um, one, because it's just being back in the sort of Jim Gavin world. And two, if you've read it or when you read it, you really do see how many connections there are to the show. In some ways, it's almost like a blueprint uh, of of themes, characters, locations, settings that eventually do show up on Lodge 49. So it is like, it is kind of like that, I don't know. With a really gimp prequel, mask. But it, yeah, with a gimp mask. Um, <laughs> but, so that's definitely a fun way to, to stay in the world. And then there's all kinds of literary, I mean, it was at the Island of the Dolphin, and then the the Thomas Pinchon novel, was that the Crying of Lot 
What was the name? Yeah, so there's actually all kinds of fun. So that could be one thing. Um, but we'd love to hear from you about how, how, why, what, where. <laughs> Jim has mentioned picking another tragic show that you know probably is limping along and, and attach yourselves Doom. to that. <laughs> Doomed <laughs> to be canceled in a year. Yeah. <laughs> we could go back and rewatch Terriers, which was kind of the spiritual right. precedent in many ways. I bet, um, I bet no one ever did a podcast on that. Um, uh, if we a did a, show. if we did a, it would be it would be big because that the, the legend yeah. of that show is has that, grown. Does that even stream? We'll have to look into if that's available for streaming anywhere nowadays. It will be on Hulu soon because of FX new deal with oh, Hulu. Okay. I think yeah. I read somewhere. Yeah, we just go do shows that oh. died before their time. Right. There's no and end of that. Terriers. Yeah, and Terriers would be perfect because it's it's very similar milieu on many many ways, and it's a lot of fun. You've never seen that, right, Bart? No. So that would give us kind of like I would we would all watch it again. It's probably four or five years since I've yeah, watched yeah. it. Um, very similar vibe. So with that, I think we'll draw to a close. Unless anyone has anything else, I just want to say I think that we should figure out how to have a uh, secret after party in the basement of Orbis after uh, Saturday's. We have to make uh, that happen. Yeah. Yeah. Get the storm. All right. Orbis. And everything. Trebuchet. <laughs> all right. I task you with that one, Jim. Um, all right. Well, uh, for those of you who we will meet and see at the expo, we are super excited. Um, and for those of you who are just out there in podcast land, we can't wait to bring you forth uh, all the content that we're going to collect about our uh, beloved show and all of its various facets. So we will see you soon. Mm-hmm.